Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message from our series, All Fired Up. Let's join in now. Any older siblings, oldest siblings in the house today? Can I hear you, oldest siblings? Yeah, being an oldest sibling is great. I happen to be an oldest sibling myself. I am, in addition to being the father of four boys, I am the oldest of four, four boys growing up in a house. I have three brothers, and uh, I am awesome, and they are not. You know what I'm saying? That's how that works. And one of the things I enjoyed about being the older sibling was that I could pin my brothers down at any given moment that I wanted to. It didn't matter what was going on, but anytime they annoyed me, anytime they looked at me wrong, any, I hope they hear this message. I really do. I really do. Anytime they did something that just went, uh, that's, that's below my standard of what the expectations are in this household, I could jump on them and pin them down. I could hold one hand, one hand, uh, pin their feet with my feet, and I was just old enough that with all of my brothers, I could pin them down, and to this day, I'm going to claim I can still do it, okay? Now, they may, they may refute that, and they may even try to show you one day in front of you if they come and visit, that that may not be the case. And then you, you kind of move over into fatherhood, and it was fun because uh, I, I let my kids pin me down for fun. You know, they would they'd say, Daddy, let's wrestle. So there I go. I'll wrestle with them. I'll gra- you know, we'll hug. We'll start uh, picking up, throwing things, messing up the house, breaking Amy's important furniture, doing those types of things. And it always ends, when they were little, it always ended, with me on the ground and them on top of me going, I got you, Dad. And I'm thinking, yeah, you got me. And then I say, you got me. You are so strong. Please get off. And they're like, okay, Dad, I'll let you up, right? Well, that worked with Aiden when he was young and Drew when he was young. And Dax, I don't know if it's ever worked. He's a big baby. Uh, My five-year-old who's 85 pounds and destined for offensive line greatness at some point, He's been a little tough since the get-go. Briggy, my youngest, uh, it's been fun to have him pin me down. But I've noticed with Aiden getting to be 12 that when we wrestle and have fun and he pins me down, I start to go, oh, my. Wait, I don't know if I'm letting you pin me down anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not sure. It's, it's kind of at that line where it's 50% I'm letting him by not using my complete man strength and 50%... I really have to try hard to get him off of me. And, and I think life is a lot like that, where when we're young, we, you know, there's not a lot holding us down. And the things that hold us down, it's kind of fun. And we say, oh, I'll just kind of stay here for a while. This is fun to be pinned down in this area of life. But as you get older and older, does anybody else feel like this? It feels like life pins you down. And the three count happens and you're out. Does anybody else feel like that? Uh, that's how I feel many days. And today in our series, All Fired Up, as we continue, we've talked about standing up for God. We've talked about helping other people out. We've talked about stepping out, right? We've talked about doing more with less. But today we're going to talk about moving forward. And I think it's tough to move forward in this life and look more like Jesus Christ, more like what he wants us to look like because life has us pinned down. Can I get an amen that it's a little tough? So here's your first blank. Fired up people move forward 
in Christ. That's today's title, Move Forward. But fired up people move forward in Christ. Today we need to let the strong hand of God unpin us off the ground. You may have an addiction today that has you pinned to the ground. You might be having sex outside of marriage and it has you pinned to the ground and you're not sure, sure what to do because you've committed to someone you're not yet married to and taken a vow. You may feel like a teenager where life is pressing in on you as the homework gets heavier and you're thinking, how do I live for God in a world where I go to school and all the kids uh, have porn on their phones and they have all the apps that, that let you sext and they have uh, all these challenges and you're thinking, how do I move forward in, in Christ when the world is pinning me down? Everywhere I look, it seems like it's, the world is trying to get me to fall. You might be a parent wondering, how do I get my kids to walk in, in Christ from this point? I wish I could have done it earlier, but from this point, how do I do it? And you feel pinned down. Anybody feel pinned down sometimes? Like, how do I move forward? You know, the question isn't, am I supposed to? Everybody knows the answer to that. And the answer is what? Yes. Yes, we're supposed to. There's hardly a person who walks in the room that says, I'm not supposed to walk forward in Christ. But how? How do I do it? And here's what I love about today's judge. Jephthah. Jephthah. If you have trouble pronouncing it, like I do, and I may refer to him as this, you can just call him good old Jep. You know what I'm saying? Jephthah is the next judge. And what I love about Jephthah is he has this very human, very earthly, everyday type of struggle. God used him mightily, but he had to plow through some major barriers to end up being who God called him to be. And I think nearly everyone can relate to this because we have to plow through barriers. Uh, It's not an easy road to get to the place where Jesus wants you to be, to be all fired up for him. There will be challenges. Here we go. Judges chapter 11. Let's get ourselves introduced to Jephthah. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, it's going to be hard. These are tongue twisters, was a mighty man of valor. But he was the son, are you reading this? He was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot, a prostitute. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of of another woman. Are you catching what's happening here? Gilead gets married, has a wife, has kids. Jephthah is the one who was conceived by a harlot, and a one-night stand maybe from his dad, but yet he has to live in this house, and they're not very happy with him. The odds are not in his favor for a lot of success in life. But then verse 3 says, Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men bounded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. You know, it means that he became a poor man who was trying to beg, borrow, and steal to make his living. This is who Jephthah became. It came to pass at at a time that the people of Ammon 
made war with Israel. These are people that Israel did not wipe out completely when God said wipe everyone out for the land I'm going to give you when they crossed over the Jordan after 40 years in the desert. Ammon is one of those groups of people that they really didn't do the full job and so they became a thorn in the flesh. Anybody else ever had that issue where you didn't wipe sin completely out of your life? And all of a sudden, it's a thorn for years and years and decades and maybe your life. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? He's saying, all of you are the people who told me I was worthless. That's why I ran away. Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, this, that is why we have turned again to you now that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Do you think this was a challenge, just a little bit of challenge for old Jep? Absolutely. Here's your first blank about being fired up and moving forward, fired up people move beyond the past. They move beyond the past. And much like Jep, who was faced with this big question, why am I being asked when I've been a nothing my whole life? Why am I being asked to be important? He had to move beyond his past. You know, now, this isn't a pop psychology part of the sermon uh, where I say, well, check into your childhood, deal with it all, and try to move forward. That's not what I'm saying because I got uh, a degree in life the last 10 years from the school of suck it up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, from the school of get over it, all right? So I, I might not be the softest person to go back and deal with your past all of the time. I do care. But I, there is a point where I go, you know what? We have Jesus. We, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He's stamped on our heart. We have every resource in heaven. Suck it up and move forward. But that's not what we're going to say, all right? Everybody can, right? Here's what you need to know about the past. Hear me clearly on this. God can use and he will use the rejected, the poor, the outcast, the one who wasn't the state champion, he will use you. He will use the state champion. He will use the one who's, who started well and messed up. God can use, here's, here's a word, anybody. He can use anybody, and he wants to use all of the people who have come to faith in Christ in him. You know what? There is not a question. If you have come to faith in Christ, irregardless of your past, irregardless of um, where you have come from in life, whether you might be born of a harlot, you may have had a drug issue, you may have flunked out of school. God wants to use you even with your past. Isn't that a great truth today? That's very merciful of God, isn't it? It's very merciful. There are people around you desperate for a spiritual leader. Move past your past. Do you know that there are people around you every day who are begging for you to step up and lead spiritually? How did I say that? Lead what kind? Spiritually. To lead spiritually in your home, at your work, with your kids, maybe even in your hobbies. 
and your hobbies when you go out Friday night. God is calling you to lead spiritually, and most of us never open up our mouth, and it proves that maybe we haven't been as fired up as we thought because we say, you know what, that's for paid people like pastors to do. No. Uh, Remember, I've said this every message. God set 12 people on fire called the apostles, and the whole world was changed, right? If God sets 250 people on fire at Elevation Church, do you think billings can change? Do you think? There's not even a question. But there's a lot of people stuck in their past, stuck with church hurt, saying, God, I've already been hurt by a church, so I'm only going to give this much, and you've already decided for God how much you'll help the local church. Instead of listening and saying, God, why don't you give me the directions? Whether it hurts or not, listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Here's what you have to know. If you struggle with something that's happened in your past, and you feel like, wow, this keeps me from being effective in my Christian walk, effective for opening my, my mouth and getting all fired up, Listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So do you know what this means? If you're pinned down by the world from your past, if you can't pick up the ball and advance the, the ball in God's kingdom, and you have Christ in your life, This means that you're pinned down because maybe, just maybe, you like being pinned down by your past. Did you hear that? Just maybe, you like it. Here Jephthah was challenged to be a part of a new group of people, brought back into a group of people who hurt him, but also a place of great opportunity. As believers, we have to move past our past. Check out number two. Here's the second thing we have to move beyond, and then we'll move beyond a few verses of scripture for time. Uh, But I'm trying to give you a good picture of this judge. We have to move past our foolish motivations. So skip over to verse 29. Long story short, Jep says, okay, I'll do it if you promise. He talks to the king uh, over the group of people named the Ammonites. He talks to the king and he says, What's your deal? Why are you trying to attack us? And they said, well, you took our land. You took our land. That's what they said. Israel took our land. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not what happened. God gave us your land. You see, you have a real problem because you think you're fighting against us. But really, Ammon was fighting against who? God was fighting against God. You see, when we recognize this, we begin to move past the barriers in our life because when we come to faith in Christ, we realize that when we take steps of faith that are challenging and and obstacles come our way, the people giving us the obstacles are not fighting against us. They're fighting against who? God. And so all of a sudden, Jeff is on the right track. He's doing the right things, and then he does something really dumb. Anybody ever said something really stupid that you just, you said it, and you're trying to grab the words with your hands. You're like, no, please, please, come back, come back. And you're trying to put them in your mouth. Well, this is what Jephthah does. Check out verse 29. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead, from 
Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. We'll talk a little bit about where this is because it's a great point. He's on the right track. He's doing the right things. And then he opened his mouth, right? Then he opened his mouth. Check out what he does. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Naturally, at this point, he has in mind one of his cows or a goat or some animal. (laughs) Watch what happens. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. Now, do you think Jephthah really needed to make that vow for God to do what he was doing? He didn't. He didn't have to make that vow. He was already on the road, but he opened his mouth, said something stupid, and listen to what happens. And he defeated uh, them from Eror as far as Meneth, 20 cities, into Abel Karim with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Check this out. When Jephthah came home to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter mm, mm, coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing to make it worse. She's excited. She's happy. Her dad just came home with a victory and, uh, with his military. And she was his only child. Oh, boy. Ouch. Ouch. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged your, you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. Then she said to her father, are you ready for this? This is a very important piece of scripture because it could be a very sad thought at this point. This gives us a clue to what happened. Then she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends, and I. We're thinking that Jephthah had to stick his daughter on a barbecue at this point. But that's not what happens. You may want to write this down for you Bible nuts who just need to know some things about the Bible. Well, in Leviticus 18, verse 21, human sacrifice was forbidden in the temple. There was, it was, not, there was not allowed to be a person put on the altar and burned. And so this gives us a little more insight into what happened. Exodus 38 and verse 8 and 1 Samuel 2.22 tell us that ladies were often set apart to work at the temple, but to do that, they had to become virgins. And so because Jephthah opened his mouth, what ended up happening is not that he had to sacrifice his daughter, but his daughter was just committed by his vow to the Lord to be a virgin her entire life and work at the temple. In essence, a uh, ancient nun. You know what the definition of a nun is? Nun. You know, okay. Maybe you get that. Maybe you don't. So Jephthah's foolish motivations 
Jephthah's foolish motivations cost his daughter her chance to marry and have kids and to experience her husband, to even have a husband. And here's what we need to know about foolish motivations. Foolish motivations will keep you from being fired up 10 times out of 10. And here is why. People don't stay fired up because you may want to write these down. It's not on the screen, but it's a good take home. They make up their emotions instead of making up their mind. I could put myself there with Jephthah, and here he is. He's doing all the right things for the Lord, and he's going, God, I feel the momentum. This thing's going to win. And he looks up to God and says, God, for this victory, I'm going to give you an awesome sacrifice. Whatever comes out of my door, God, great. You know what he was doing? He was letting his emotions run. What was the job at hand? To go defeat the people of Ammon. But he made up his emotions instead of his mind. We'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, when we make up our mind, though, we hold, a, we hold to our confession in Christ, not fruitless things that we try to say to God. Here's another reason we don't stay fired up with foolish motivations. It proves we're trying to barter with God. God, if you'll give me a good job, I think I'll increase my worship attendance to two times a month. God, if you'll just take my kid who's really, really struggling in life, and if you'll put them on solid ground, well, then I, I'll start reading my Bible a little more, God. <laughs> God, okay, here, here's the deal. If you give me a promotion where I have a little more influence, then I'll share my faith. We do that, don't we? It gets worse than that. God, if you will give me a spouse... Why then, you know what, then I'll really devote to you and do things your way. It's challenging. But we start bartering with God, and these are foolish motivations that keep us from being fired up. Here's the third one. We often don't stay fired up with foolish motivations because we won't admit when we're wrong. What would have been the better thing for Jep to do? When he saw his daughter come out and the decision that was made for her, if I were in Jep's shoes, and you know what? I could have messed up just as easily as him. It's not because I'm better, but in hindsight, I'm saying, if I were in his shoes, I would have said, God, that was dumb. I shouldn't have said that. I am so sorry. I made that vow to you, and I'm going to tell you it was foolish. Will you forgive me? And here's the great thing about God. He has grace to forgive, doesn't he? He has grace to forgive in our foolish motivations. Now, I've made a foolish wager uh, recently, uh, my friend Brian and I were talking football, and uh, I decided to make him a wager, so if you ever see this, you'll know why, that if the Philadelphia Eagles make the playoffs, I will preach from a Philadelphia Eagle jersey. And uh, while their team looks mighty good in preseason, I'm still standing on the solid ground that it's in Philadelphia. And so uh, here's that deal. But if they don't make the playoffs, he has to wear a pink Breast Cancer Awareness Dolphins jersey. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I made this wager, but as I watch the preseason, uh, I'm going, I, somehow I think I'll be preaching in, a, in an Eagles jersey at some point uh, later on in the winter. And, and foolish motivations and foolish gestures to God will put you in public, public disgrace. It really will. I love Micah 6.8. It sums up what does God want from the entire group of people in the Old Testament. He says, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, and you're good. And you're good. 
Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, and you're good. In fact, Jesus had this to say about foolish motivations. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. We need more people saying, yes, I will be fired up for Jesus. Yes, I will be an individual difference maker. Yes, I will move past my past. Yes, I will move past my, my foolish motivations. And my yes will be yes for Jesus Christ. Is anybody ready to say yes for Jesus Christ in the room? Here's our third and final place. And then we'll talk about how to move beyond them. Friendly fire. Is there anything worse than friendly fire? Is there anything worse than people you're expecting to love you, to care for you, to protect you, putting a bullet through your back or maybe even through your face sometimes? Listen what happened to Jep after after he made this vow. Things are going wrong. But here's the cool thing. Jep is still being used by God in spite of all these issues. Isn't that a great encouraging thing? He's still being used by God. But look what happens. So his daughter is now a virgin. He's made this foolish vow. He's kept this foolish vow. And it gets even worse when he gets home. In chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, listen to what happens. Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over towards Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and didn't call us to go with you? They wanted some credit, didn't they? They said, why don't we get to be a part of the battle? Why didn't we get in on the fun? Why didn't you invite us? We will burn your house down on you with fire. Well, praise the Lord for the work you have done, Jephthah. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt like that's what happens? You're working for God's kingdom. Those of you who are on the front lines and you are fired up and you're encountering obstacles and it's tough. I know there are people in the room who are fired up and maybe you're going, this is just too hard. I think I got to quit. Can I tell you, God wants you to move past the friendly fire. He wants you to move past the criticism. Look at the map for just a second. This is a map of Israel uh, at the time of Judges. We, we know from Numbers chapter 26 and verse 29 that Jephthah was from the people of Gilead. Gilead was kind of a moving people, but they were related to Manasseh. Those are the, the, the darker green segments on your map. And so his people lived east of the Jordan River. You see the Sea of Galilee up top, the the Dead Sea at the bottom. They lived east of the Jordan River, and they lived kind of in East Manasseh because they're of the tribe of Manasseh. And primarily they're the tribe of Gad, and they're the tribe of Reuben. And so if you look at what's happening here, they're fighting Ammon. Ammon is on which side of the map? Say it with me. On On the right. Ephraim is behind Gad. And so it would look to me like maybe Jephthah and the people of Gad and Gilead are doing their fellow Israelites a small favor, aren't they? That they're protecting them so that they don't have to fight the battle. But yet, what happens when they win the battle and they do the favor? It's the people behind them who are a part of their nation who are supposed to be unified with them that are coming from behind and shooting them and making them feel awful for doing something that God asked them to do. Anybody felt that way before? Hey, let me point something out. If you're a person who's shooting the gun and giving the friendly fire, stop If you're the person who's keeping someone from being all fired up, who's criticizing, 
people for following what Jesus wants them to do, stop. And if you're a person who's being hit in the back, know this. Your Savior was hit in the back by you, and he loved you anyway. When we nailed him to the cross with our sin. Move past the friendly fire and get fired up. Move past your motivations. Move past your past and live for Jesus Christ. Listen to Psalm 16, verse 8. Listen to what the psalmist said. I know the Lord is always with me, and because of this, I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. So how do we get fired up and move forward in Jesus? We get a clue from verse 29 Here's what it says very quickly. It says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Now, in the Old Testament, this happened very different than what happens in the New Testament. But here's how we move forward. How we do it? By the Holy Spirit. We move forward by the Holy Spirit of God. The one that Baptists aren't allowed to talk about, right? It's like the third person of the Trinity that's like, shh, no. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know that in Ephesians chapter 1, we're told that everyone who places their faith in Christ and receives the grace of God is sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like getting branded, you know? It's almost like getting branded where the Holy Spirit is there, can't take it away. It's a burn mark that won't go away. We have the resource of God inside of us in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, And so I know that when we say, okay, what does that mean? How can I be led by the Holy Spirit? Let me give you two easy ways to know how to be led by the Holy Spirit or if you're doing it or not. Because these, while simple, will move you past your obstacles in life. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here they are. Number one, be a doer of God's word. Be a doer of God's word. Let me give you a practical way to do this. Everybody says, I know I'm supposed to do God's word, but I I don't do it and I wonder why. Pick one area. Here's how you do it. Pick one area that you are not obeying God's word this week. And what do you think I'm about to tell you? Do it. Do it. Pick one area that you have been lax in, that you know the scriptures are telling you. You may want to turn to Galatians chapter 5 and read the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and beyond, and the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, and say, you know what? I have not been very kind at home when I get home from work. Today, I'm going to choose this week to say, this week is the day that stops, and I become a doer of God's word. When you do God's word, it proves you're being led by the Holy Spirit. When you're led by the Holy Spirit, he will move you past your past. Do you get it? He will move you past your past. You see, we think it's like some mystical thing out there, and it's really not that hard to do if we will just let our yes be yes and our no be no. And here is the second way we move past our obstacles in life to move forward in Christ. We grab on to our identity in Christ. We grab on to our identity in Christ. And here is how we do this. We answer this question. And it's right there on your program. And I would like everyone to take your program out. And I want everyone to answer this question because this is important. You will never be fired up until you get this question right. Do you hear me? You'll never be fired up. Here's the question. Who are you in Christ? This is why it's so important. Because most of us walking around 
are thinking, I am who the world has made me to be. You know what? I'm a person who was born of a harlot. I'm a worthless person. You know what? I'm an adulterer because of my sin. We answer this question with so many other words. We answer this question and say, who are you? Oh, well, you know what? I'm the person who cheated with my money and I got in trouble. I'm the person who um, had an affair and life is gone. I'm the person who has been just benign my whole life. I'm neutral. No one even knows I exist. I'm not good or bad. God is saying, stand up and get fired up and know your identity in Christ. Maybe your one word when you think about this needs to be, who am I? I'm forgiven. I am free. Hey, I am bold. Can I tell you something about Dave Carroll? God took this guy who was a wallflower in front of people for the first 18 years of my life. And it was funny, when I said yes to Jesus, when it came not for faith in Christ, place my faith in him, but going into the ministry, I said, God, you want me to go into the ministry? I never say anything in front of groups. I'm quiet. And I moved back from college to home in Miami, and my friends said, who are you and what happened to you? Because you're kind of annoying now. You're kind of boisterous. You're kind of talkative. And I, I don't know. But you know what I found out? I went, you know what? I used to be wallflower, but now I am bold in Christ. And I moved past the objections and the obstacles that were taking place. I moved forward. But you have to answer this question, who are you now in Christ? And I believe God has a specific biblical answer for each one of you. And my challenge is that you find it out so that you can move forward. You might be someone who's abused your family, and now you are going to be a person of peace in Christ Jesus. As we come to a time of response, can I tell you this? Everybody listen to this. If you walked in here without a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you, you are not sure that you know Christ, you have not begun that relationship and you keep trying to move forward in life, you're trying to get past, and you wonder why you keep stumbling, it's because you will never move forward past the cross. Never. You will never move forward past the cross of Christ. Because it's there that you find the ability to move forward past the life that pins you down and you can't get up. It's there that you find freedom. It's there that the strong hand of God lifts his hands. And so I'd ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask today, is there anybody who would like to say, today I am moving forward by giving my life to Jesus Christ for the first time. I am placing my faith in him and his finished work on the cross and trusting him to forgive my sin. Trusting him to give me a new identity. Is there anyone like that that would say, today I will move forward spiritually by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message. If you have any questions or you have made any decisions, email us nextsteps at elevationbuildings.com. find out more about our church, visit elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.